1: Isaiah chapter 7 and I'm going to read verse
0: number 14 and this scripture this morning is almost a an object lesson for the message that I'm going to be preaching and I just want to say this before I get started today, I, I awoke this morning, um, there's a lot of work went on around here yesterday and I was quite exhausted last night and I woke early this morning and had planned to go a complete different direction today and I was distracted in some some ways today and I shared with my wife and I know she's praying for me this morning and I had a friend contact me early this morning, and I told him, I said, I need your prayer today. And so I'm just going to ask the congregation, we're going to pray before I preach, but I'm just going to ask that you would pray this morning that the Lord would clear my mind and my spirit today to speak what he has laid on my heart. And, and I, I felt a complete direction shift in what I'm going to preach, what I was originally planning to preach today and what I am going to preach this morning. And um, it's, it's just going to kind of be words from my heart this morning. Um, I don't know, maybe I'm going to preach to myself today. Is that all right? Sometimes we all need an encouraging word. We can hear so much negativity, so much of what's wrong, so much of what's going wrong. Sometimes we just need somebody to come and speak a word. It just says everything is going to be all right. Sometimes you just need somebody to tell you, keep fighting the good fight of faith. Amen. Isaiah chapter 7, verse number 14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. In the New Testament, the angel of the Lord appeared unto Joseph and said unto him, Mary shall conceive and bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save the people from their sins. This scripture text this morning is more than just appropriate at Christmas time, but here in midsummer, August 2019, it's a fitting text for us because it does one very important thing for us. It ought to be a word of encouragement in the midst of discouraging moments. It should help us and let us know and give us faith and confidence to know God's with us. God is with us. Why don't you look at your neighbor this morning and tell them God is with us. God is with us. Let's pray over this message this morning and pray that the Spirit of the Lord will send encouragement to every heart and every life in this room today. Would you pray with me now? Father, we come to you and we speak your name, Jesus, over every situation, over every disadvantaged circumstance, over the spirit of chaos, over the spirit of fear. Lord, over every principality and power that would try to raise its head against you, against the things of God, against the work of God, Lord, for we are doing a work, Lord, and we need that encouragement in the midst of troubling times. Send an encouraging word to somebody in this house today. We pray in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. The Bible is full of encouraging words. When I when I felt to go this direction earlier this morning I I thought well I need to find a text that will, will fit the, the idea for the message that I have that I'm working on and um, don't anybody get too nervous because I tell I often tell folks the more time I have to work on a sermon usually the shorter it is and so I just started this morning so you know some folks but uh just just, just so you know, I, I keep a, I keep a stack of sermons that I'm working on at all times because I never know when somebody's going to get sick or that call's going to come in. And when you preach two or three or four times a week, uh, you, you better have a little something to fall back on and something you're already working on. So don't get too nervous this morning. I have been working on this for a little while. And so I just felt it was the time today. But I, I began looking for the Scripture uh, text to... to to slot into this, this message this morning, encouraging encouraging words, and I, I was as pray as I was praying this morning. I just said, Lord, let me be an encourager today. Uh, there's enough discouragement in the world. Let me be an encourager. Let me be a strength to somebody. I, I you know at churches or you know, people don't RSVP for Sunday morning. Um, in the old building, you just about had to RSVP or you weren't going to get a seat or a parking space. But we're in the new building, and you know, so uh, you don't have to RSVP anymore to get a seat or get a parking space. So it's it's a little bit easier for us. But you know, you never know who's going to be here, and never know um, never know the crowd you're speaking to. Uh, Folks come at will, and and uh, but I just felt this morning that it would be appropriate for me to preach about uh, encouragement and to try to be an encourager to somebody that may be here, that may be going through a trying time, a testing time, whatever it may be. And so I I began to pray and seek the Lord today. And and as I was seeking the Lord, I just really felt that there's probably no more encouragement that we could ever give than knowing that in the middle of whatever it is, whatever it is and whatever the times are, that Jesus comes on the scene. That may be the most encouraging thing that you and I could ever receive. To know in the midst of troubling times, Jesus comes on the scene. The Scripture is full of encouraging words. The Scripture, uh, some of the Scriptures that came to my mind this morning is when Jesus speaks to the woman that he had met um, that he had met that was being stoned by those around, and he said. Uh, I uh, neither do I condemn you, go and, and sin no more. He said, I, I, I forgive. I, I, um, Jesus on the cross, he says, it is, it is finished. And that, that finishing work is such an encouragement to us. Uh, I could just go through Scripture text where the Scripture teaches us that the battle is not ours, but it belongs to the Lord. And so we could just go on and on and on today with pulling excerpts out of Scripture that are encouraging words that speak to us. But in the middle of very troubling times when the people were in need of of something to really change the course of their lives, uh, the prophet Isaiah comes on the scene and begins to pin the words that the Lord, remember the Scripture is, it was given under inspiration. Holy men wrote as they were moved on by the Spirit of God. So it was. It was Spirit ordained. It was. It was God ordained. It was the inspired Word of God written by the prophet Isaiah, as he comes on the scene at just the right moment, at just the right time, at just the specific, uh, integral moment in time, and he begins to tell them. Uh, it, it, the Lord is going to give you a sign. You're not going. You may not believe my words, but there's going to be a sign that's going to be given unto you. And when that sign is given unto you, you need to look for that sign. Look at that sign because there's going to be a virgin conceived and is going to bear a son, and his name shall be Emmanuel. And of course, the word that translates to Emmanuel. Uh, in English simply means God with us and so the prophet comes on the scene and tells them that at just the right time there's going to be a sign that's going to be given to the people and uh, it's going to be a virgin conceiving that's going to bring forth a son and uh, he his name is going to be is going to mean God with us I uh, the, the people in Jesus's day uh, they 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 struggled somewhat with the fact that that Jesus had come and was Jesus the Messiah, yet Isaiah prophesies about Him over 500 years before His birth, 600 years before His birth. He prophesies that a virgin is going to conceive and then the angel of the Lord speaks to um, Joseph and, and um, Joseph is then told that Mary... Uh, What has happened to Mary is a holy thing, and this virgin conceives and brings forth a son, and he's going to save his people from their sins, and uh, another text tells us that his name is going to be Emmanuel, being interpreted God with us. The, The people in Jesus' day seem to struggle, although there's so many signs, and pointers given us clarity that this was the birth that Isaiah had proph- had prophesied about then Jesus comes and now the world which is in chaos and in need of a savior is given a savior yet they struggled with the identity of Christ it was as if they were they they thought that Jesus was trying to conceal his identity he and and, and keep a secret from them then then uh, instead of them recognizing that the opposite was was true Jesus, all through the Holy Scripture Jesus was continually trying to explain to them who He was His purpose for coming What His purpose was on the earth over and over again Jesus tells Him in the book of John Each of the first ten chapters oft- Offers glimpse, a glimpse into uh, into the revelation of who Jesus was. In John chapter 1, it begins with, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that Word became flesh and dwelt among them. In John chapter 2, he talks about a temple, but but they didn't know that it wasn't a, a physical building of a temple that he was talking about, but he was talking about the temple of his own flesh. In John chapter 3, uh, Nicodemus was told you must be born again of the water and of the Spirit. It It wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't the water, the physical water. It's not what Jesus was talking about. He wasn't when he talked about birth. He wasn't talking about a physical birth. He, he was talking about a spiritual birth. In John chapter four, he talked to he talked to the woman at the well, and he talked to that woman at the well about water because water is what he and the woman at the well had in common. And he said if you knew who it was that asked of you a drink of water uh, you, that you ask a, a drink of water you would give him uh, you you would ask of him a drink and he would give you living. Well Jesus wasn't talking about physical water. He was talking about himself. He's telling a woman at a well about water and he said oh, "You would if you knew who it was that's asking. Jesus is saying if you knew who's speaking to you, you would be asking what I have to give to you, and it would cause you to never thirst again. The book of John is just full. I'm not going to take the time to go through all 10 chapters, but in the 10th chapter, they came to Jesus when he's talking about his identity, and uh, they said to Jesus, how long, Master, are you going to be with us And uh, without telling us who you are? And uh, they, they said very clearly, tell us plainly. Tell us plainly who you are. Jesus looks at them and he says to them, I and my Father are one. They picked up stones and began to stone him and said you being man are making yourself God and they they had it all wrong. It's no no real mystery but he was God making himself man. They just couldn't understand. The whole point is that Jesus was continually telling them I'm here. I'm here for you. I'm here to save you. I'm here to do a work for you. I'm here to help you. He over Over and over again, the ministry of Jesus was full of encouraging words, telling them, I'm here. I'm with you. I'm going away, but I'm going to come again. I'm going to come. I won't be too far from you. And over and over again, he tells us and he leaves these incredible phrases and incredible things, words that he leaves to his New Testament church. Look at your neighbor and tell them, that's you and I, the New Testament church. He leaves and incredible words to us telling us that when you go through the fire I'm going to be there with you when you go through the flood I'm going to be there with you you know all those words that David talked about when I go through the deep waters there he is going to be if I ascend into heaven he's there all of those were transferred to the New Testament church and he's telling the New Testament church don't get afraid don't fear don't worry don't fret because I'm here and I'm here for you, it was the prophet Isaiah that begins to write and begins to tell them, hey, 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 get some clarity in mind here. Jesus has come to be with man. That is the encouraging word for you today. Some of the most encouraging words ever spoken was foretelling the coming of Jesus Christ because he has All power. If I could persuade you today that God truly has power to rule and reign over everything in your life. If I could persuade you today that God has the ability to heal every infirmity, to fix every relationship problem, that Jesus has the power to to overrule anything in heaven and earth, if I could persuade you that God can do anything, miracles would happen in this house today because your faith, if you were totally persuaded, your faith would be high enough that you would begin to trust God at a level if I could tell you that not a portion of God, not a piece of God but all of God, all the Spirit of God, all power of God dwells at the same time all over this universe that means that God, not a piece of God, not a part of God but all of God dwells in this room today, could I tell tell you that not a not a second God, not a third God, not a piece of God, not a, but that God of the universe, the one that spoke this world into existence is in this house today and he cares about what you are worried about. He cares about what you are struggling with. He cares about the infirmity in your life. He cares about the pain that you're carrying. That great big God of the universe cares about you and he is not a God that is somewhere else. But the prophet told us he's going to come and he will be Emmanuel, God with us. What encouraging words. He's with me. He's with me. I'm in trouble, but God's with me. I'm in pain, but God's with me. I'm going through it, but God is with me. Just before the ascension of Jesus, he declared in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Jesus says just before he ascends into heaven, All power, this is after the crucifixion, he declares, all power, everybody say all power. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. One of the great truths of scripture is that God has unlimited power. When the disciples asked Jesus about a statement that he made about the rich being saved, Jesus said, with man, it's impossible but with God all things are possible. With God, I want you to get this with God all things are possible. with everybody say with. with God all things are possible. I want I want you to tie now what Isaiah says that his name is going to be Emmanuel God with us. God. With us. The whole purpose of Jesus being born is God with us. And with God. All things. I I wish, if you really, I, I, I could just jump over this pulpit right about now. Because the revelation that Jesus is here. Anything can happen. All things are possible. We notice the same type of statement that is made in Genesis chapter eighteen, verse number fourteen. God is revealing to Abraham that he will be the father of a nation, and is going to be a father at a very old age. And Sarah now ninety, and 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 Abraham at a hundred. Abraham laughs at what God says to him. But God asks them a rhetorical question. When a man at 100 laughs about his wife of 90, bringing forth a child, and Abraham laughs, and God says, Abraham, why are you laughing? Is anything too hard for the Lord? He's asking this question because Uh, every word in the scripture is so incredibly important and powerful because he knew that somebody was going to say, I get it, he came, he's with us, with God all things are possible, but what about my situation? And so he gave us an Abraham story so that this preacher could stand in this pulpit this morning and look at you and say, with your situation just like Abraham's situation that may seem impossible at a hundred to father a child, but with God, is anything too hard? The assumption is, is that you understand that nothing is too difficult for God. In fact, God waited. It appears so that he could make this point very clear to Abraham because he wanted to make a situation humanly impossible because God is a God of impossibilities and He is a God that often comes through with His most powerful testimonies when human capabilities reach the max and we no longer can. Man deals with impossibilities but God knows no impossibilities. That's why Scripture says with man There are impossibilities, but with God, all things are possible. God knows no impossibilities. These types of statements about an unlimited power of God are made all throughout Scripture in both the Old and New Testament, in Psalms. 135 verse 6 it tells us that God does what he pleases in the heavens and in the earth and in the seas and in the deeps in Isaiah 43 13 it says God acts and nobody can reverse what God acts in Daniel 435 it says God does what he wills all of these point us to God as a source of unlimited power. In fact, the Bible declares this truth to us and tells us that God alone holds all power. And this should be encouraging to us that if God says it, it will always come to pass. This kind of God is worthy of our worship and our praise and our honoring because when we put Him first in our lives, He says when we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, Everything else, all other things, he says, shall be added unto us. Meaning, I'm fretting because I don't have enough. I'm fretting because I don't have the car I want, the clothes I want, the house I want. My life is economically not sound as it should be. I'm just not sure. Give it all to the Lord. And when you all of a sudden own nothing and God owns everything, then all of a sudden, he said, when you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, I'll add the other things back into your life. So my first priority is I want my relationship with God right. When that's right, everything else is peripheral. Then He will bless back. We can see God's power in several ways. First We can see his power to create. Man's ability to create is limited to work with the elements that already exist in the universe. But God created and He doesn't need anything to start with. See, man has to have substance to start with. We have to have something. We 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 want to make iron, then we we know that we have to go to the earth. And from the earth we we mine iron ore, and it goes through processes that eventually become steel. And we understand if we want gasoline, we have to go to the earth and we pump from the ground. And there is a process and 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 a refining that comes the gasoline that we put in our cars and so man feels look what I have done, look what I have created, look how intelligent I am, how powerful I am how smart I am because I can take elements that exist and I can make something out of them but God doesn't need anything to work with in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth the earth was without form and void darkness was upon all the face of the deep and God said let there be he didn't have any light to work with he said let there be light boom appears. He wanted some light at night and the stars and the moon appears at a spoken word. He didn't need elements to work with. God has the ability to make things that do not exist that's why God is so much more powerful than we are I'm not limiting the idea of what man can do but I am exalting the idea that man when we think we've reached the apex or working with things that God created out of nothing with a spoken word I'm coming to you this morning to tell you whatever you're dealing with and you think you come through a series and source of this is how it's going to work out God can just say, boom, a spoken word, and he can do what man cannot do. So when men shake their head and the doctor says there's nothing left we can do, we still have a God that can heal. When when they say there's nothing I can do, they're a lost cause. God can turn a lost cause around, save their soul, put them When everybody throws in the towel on you and says you're not worth working with, he says, ah, I've still got a word. I can still do something that nobody else can do. Be encouraged today. God's with us. God upholds, Hebrews 1, 3, God upholds all things by the power of his word. In other words, from the sun and its power to shine, to bring more warmth upon the earth to the smallest ant having enough power to climb its end Nothing has power that wasn't given to it and sustained by God. God makes everything work. You think you're smart? God has it all worked out that you eat a plant that God created and from that plant he'll give you nourishment by a system that he put in place in your physical body in order for your body to be able to find strength and find healing and be able to have brain power to be able to think. God can can take just He can just say, you know what, I gave you breath, I'll just take it away for a few moments. We must realize that God gives us the ability to do certain things. But when things reach the point that we say we can't do it. You know, I know people, I'm going to chase a squirrel here for a minute. I know people. That say, oh, I live by faith. Do you have a job? No, I live by faith. You're foolish. God gave us the ability to have a job. Well, my heavenly Father owns all the cattle on a thousand hills and all the gold and oil under it. Yes, he does. And he gave you the ability to work and mine it. So people who say, Well, I'm just living by faith, you know, I don't I just waiting for God to provide all my my needs. You know what? He did that for one man on an aisle. He was fed by ravens. I'd prefer a ribeye steak once in a while. God did say he would provide all of your need, but it's not a need if you're too lazy. Work as a matter of fact, the scriptures full of examples and tells tells us that a man that doesn't work shouldn't eat. So God gives us the ability to do some things for ourselves and I believe the things we can do for ourselves, we ought to do it. We ought to carry it out. We ought to do to the fullest. We ought to take care of the physical body. We ought, to, we ought to make good choices, good decisions. I'm not preaching against those things this morning. As a matter of fact, I'm preaching for them. But I want to reach to that person that says, Pastor, I've done everything I know to do. I have help, I have done and I just don't know. I, I didn't do anything wrong but my, my, my job Situation just dried up, and my finances. Pastor, I did nothing wrong. I, I I've taken care of this temple, but I, I've got this disease. I don't, I don't. All right, now we're moving to the point that we must understand. Now you've reached the point that in the flesh you can't help yourself and people in the but there is a God that is with us. And what you cannot do for yourself. God can still do. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. The most misquoted scripture says that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that worketh in. That mean that God that means that God is able to do more than we can imagine. For God is unlimited. And infinite. You and I are finite, meaning that we have a certain amount of physical strength, a certain amount of brain power. We can go so far. We're in we we are finite. We go so far. But God is unlimited. He is infinite, meaning that his wisdom never runs out. Man's inability is an opportunity for God to show out and say, Now I can prove who I am. Because nobody else could, but I can. That's why some of the folks that's been around the church for a while, just the way that they describe it, it just says, but God. Because I don't have any other word than just tell you, but God. I, I can't describe it, but God. We see in His redemptive work His power to overcome the world and death itself. That is because God has power over death, hell, and the grave. He has power in Himself. He doesn't rely on anything or anyone else. God told Abraham that He is the Almighty, the El Shaddai. This means that He possesses something that no one else possesses. No creature can be equal to Him. He is all-powerful. And because He is all-powerful, It means that he has no equal and he is above every single power in the universe. That would be a good thing to remember in a world that is obsessed with demons, witches, warlocks and vampires. There is nothing that that compares to God. A lot of church folks get all confused and they get all afraid of the devil. I tell you, the devil's just fighting me. The devil is not an equal opposite to God. The devil is not as powerful as your God. God gives us a recipe to send the devil running. He says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And then we ask, how do I resist? He says, but being steadfast in the faith. When you are steadfast, the devil will flee from you. I have to get all worried. Oh, I saw demons sitting on the bookshelf, and I saw things falling off the bookshelf, and I saw doors squeaking and things opening in my house. And, and I'm up. Do you have God with you? Resist the devil. He has to flee from you. You don't have to run out of it, you don't have to be, live in fear. Satan is not an equal opposite of God, God is all powerful. He's God all by himself. All right, I'm like 40 minutes into this message. I get to my first encouraging thing that I want to remind you of. I don't want to belabor the point, but God is all powerful. The second encouraging thing that I want to bring to you this morning is that there is nothing, there is no prayer that God cannot answer. God Hears you when you pray. The things that you do here in heaven, they are received. See, we, we we say, oh, well, prayer just seems so useless. I pray, hear my prayer echo off the ceiling, off the walls. It feels so unimportant. But what we're doing here, it is received in heaven. The scripture said here... That we, we pay tithing. We give our tithes and our offerings here. Here they're given to mortal men. Meaning that as we give financially here, it seems like, well, uh, you know, I'm just going to withhold my tithing because I don't like what the church is doing or don't like what the preacher's saying. I'm just going to, you know, man. But the scripture says that what we do here, God is receiving them in heaven. That's not my philosophy. There's scripture here for this that says when we do it here, it is received in heaven. When we pray here, God hears us in heaven. The only prayer that he does not hear is the prayer, the self-righteous prayer of a sinner. One saying, Lord, I thank you I'm not like other men. Lord, I thank you that I am just so wonderful and good. You owe this to me, God. He's not going to hear that kind of prayer. But when we come humbly broken before him, he said "A, a, a, a broken and a contrite spirit he would in no wise cast out. When you come to God humbly and saying, God, I need you in my office this morning I prayed and my prayer sounded like this God I have a job to do this morning the job is bigger than I am the job outclasses me the job is much greater than my educational level or my ability to speak God this morning what I'm asking you to do is to do what I can't do would you just speak through me this morning would you let your word rest on hearts today because it's more powerful God is more powerful than I am my inability and my cry of a humble prayer of God, help me. God says, I'll hear that prayer and I'll answer. He has the the ability to carry out his purpose. He, He not only has authority to act, but he also has the power to perform it. There's no prayer that you pray That is too hard for Him. The things, whatever you can conceive in your mind, whatever you can come up with in your mind, God has the ability to do that exceeding above measure, above and beyond your expectations. There's no problem too difficult for God to solve. There's no need too great for Him to supply. There's no passion too strong for him to subdue. No temptation too great for him to deliver. He says in every temptation, I will make way of escape. His power is greater than all. His purpose will be achieved. The victory in your life is in God's hands. And God is with you. God is with you. I won't be much longer. Don't get too restless on me this morning. The other implication of this word means that if God says it, He has the ability to do it. So I want to tell you today, God's arm is not short. His ear is not deaf. He's not slack concerning His promises. I'm just trying to encourage somebody today. I'm just taking direct quotes out of the King James Version scripture. His promises are yea and amen. His love is far reaching. His power has not diminished. His word is still reveling and true. When you need him he will be there and whatever has been done before he's able to do it again. He says I am God and I change not. So the testimony of your grandparents can be your testimony because he's not a weak and puny God because he's got older but he's just as powerful today. Day. He is still God almighty. He's still God in the midst of trying times. If he did it for somebody else, he'll do it for you. Consider what God did for Moses and Joshua and Elijah and Elisha. God can do the same thing for you. He can part waters. He can cause mantles to fall. He can make a way for the children of Israel to come through the Red Sea and their enemies drown in what he, in the way he provided. I come this morning to tell you that whatever you have need of God's with you and God's able and He will carry you through. You can go forward and backward and feel like where is God? And I tell you where He is, He's right where He's always been. I'm closing this morning. Musicians can come stand with me. But I want you to know God can make a way out of no way. He can bring light in your darkness. I look over my life and recognize over and over and over again God has always been there. He's always made a way. I've been sick, sick unto death. And God has brought healing. I've been in financial struggle and problems and not knowing where I'm going to turn to but God always makes a way. In the storms of life God has been a shelter to me. When the waves of life toss to and fro, He's been an anchor. He's been my rock. In my loneliness, Jesus has been a friend unto me. I want to leave you with this thought this morning. God's with you. And every promise, every, not, not one missing, every promise In this book, you can go page to page, 66 books, read through every chapter, every verse, every line. And when you find a promise, you can highlight it, underline it, take it, and make it your own. Because every promise in this book belongs to you. I've tried to encourage somebody today, but I want you to know that when you don't know, when you feel like the sand that you're standing on is sinking sand, just anchor your life to this book. Anchor to the rock. And know in the midst of troubled times, Jesus is with me. He came for me. He came so that I can know on the worst day of my life, God's with me. God's with me. I want you to walk out of this room today and if you forget everything I say I just want you to remember the word Emmanuel God is with me God is with me God is with me I open these altars today if someone in this room doesn't know the Lord first of all I want to make God available to you He made Himself available to us if you don't know Him today I open these altars and invite you to step to the front of this room today. You can know him and you can know him personally. If you come with a sorrowful heart and lifting your heart to him and saying, God, I'm sorry, I'm a sinner in need of your help, in need of your purpose, in need of your grace, he'll come on the scene and he'll meet your need. If you repent of those sins, he's faithful and just to forgive them. We have water. We can do what we can do today in the commandment of the Lord. We'll baptize you in Jesus' name. His promise to you is to fill you with the wonderful gift of His Spirit. And here's the beautiful part. The whole world has God with them. The whole world has God for them. But here's what a child of God has. We more than just have Emmanuel, God, with us. But we have the Holy Spirit that is God in us. No longer am I looking. I know you with me. Where are you? But when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, it's God in me. He not only is just with me, but He's in me. If you don't know Him and the power of the Holy Ghost today, you can. Maybe you're just struggling and you're going through a test or trial of life and you just want to be reassured today or you want to reassure the Lord today and just say, God, you're my anchor and I'm sticking with you. I open these altars for you today. Without any further ado, step from where you are. Make your way to the front of this room today. Come to the Lord this morning. He's here for you. He loves you. He's with you. He's with you today. He's with you today. Just what He said. There's room for everybody in the front today. Come on, join us in the front today. Come bring in your heart to Him today. Could we just turn this place into a prayer room for a few moments? Every promise, every promise, too.
1: Say, God is able to do just what He said.